Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. This week's episode is called The Family Ties. I don't think it's about Alex P. Keaton. So no. I think it's referring to something very different. It's Kinda not gross. an ominous uh, like horror movie title at all. No, not at all. I didn't write as many notes on this episode. I was kind of just getting uh, pulled in to the drama. But the, the mm-hmm. basic... This is, an, this is a pretty easy episode to summarize in the sense of... We really only have two major, uh, three storylines that I think we need to follow here. Storyline number one is all of the, like, Lindsay and the Coens side of things. Yeah. What does Lindsay being somewhat tied to the Cohen family mean for her and Ryan's relationship? Uh, What does that mean for Kirsten and Lindsay, who are now, like, half-sisters? There's a whole bunch there. The other side of it is the Jimmy Cooper leaving the show aspect <laughs> of it. And then and the then last, Yeah. And then lastly is the Seth Cohen trying to impress Alex by being a quote unquote bad boy. Mm-hmm. Um and I think we can do something that we've done a few times where we'll just analyze each plot point mm-hmm. in a singular lens. Yep. Um and I there's a very specific vision that I have for this. So we'll start with the Cohen Lindsay stuff because I think that that's like kind of on a lower tier. Things are mostly fine here. Yeah. Um, Kirsten, her, I mean, I can't even in TV shows, sometimes you can kind of put yourself in the shoes of a situation. I cannot imagine sure. the scenario where I find out that a, like I would I would be of the age to have a child in high school. And then find out that I have a brother 
the same age as my child in high school. Like that would be just like earth shattering information. I have a question for you, Matt. I might have an answer. What's up? If you found out that your adoptive mother, her had her half sister was the girl you were dating, would you still date her? So we got to do a lot of things here. First of all, I have an adoptive mother. And this is, I think another key thing is adoptive mother that you've only known for about a year. Yes. So this isn't like you got adopted when you were like three. No, like, this is like, like you're, you're aware who your mom 17. is. He's 17. He's basically an adult. This is ultimately, would you date your friend's mom's sister if she was the same age as you? Is what it comes down to. I Like, yes. I know... And I, I think in that situation, like, it'd be a little weird, but sure, especially if I was already dating them and then found out after the fact, I'd be like, yeah. it would be weird, but I'd be like, there's no blood anything tied to any of this. Mm-hmm. Now, I I don't know about you, Joe, but I can be a realist sometimes, and I would weigh the, like, how much damage and overall problems will this be down the line? Sure. Of it all, like it's like, all right, if we don't work out, how hard will it be to hang out with my friend? But I think ultimately, it's it's a long lost sibling. I think I think I'd mostly feel like I'm in the clear to keep up, especially since the family seems to be given the blessing. Yeah, they're all like Ryan, put it in her. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, like <laughs> it's very Midsummer, right? It's very like yeah. we need a new person to make the yeah. bloodline. Yeah, it's wow. So yeah, I mean that's the minor plot. I think the next one that we have to dive into is Seth and Alex. Because the Seth and Alex one, like I don't even understand what his game plan here was. Was like I'm going to be drunk at work and yeah. she will just be madly in love with me because of it. Well, like but, not even working there, right? Like he yeah. he's like fully he fully quit it, mm-hmm. and it's just like, yeah, I'm quitting. I can't do it. Um, I'm here with my friend, Jimmy yeah. or Jack or John, John like- or whatever. And also too, like, again, just in the same way that like work, um, like workplace labor laws are not in effect. Apparently, you know, the ABC laws are not in effect either for this place. Cause she's the manager of the bar fully watching a former employee underage drinking alcohol that he brought in and not doing a goddamn thing not about it. doing a single thing How it is so is she strange doing this but the line of the episode <laughs> is when seth walks up to summer and she goes cohen your breast smells like marissa <laughs> and I was like how do you know your friend has a drinking problem without saying that your friend has a drinking problem? But again, uh, it's not, you know, it's not a read. It's just a fact. Like, that's not shade. That's, yep. that's a fact. Seth tries to, eventually it gets so bad at the Modest Mouse concert that Seth gets kicked <laughs> out of the sh- out of the club. He, he threw up on the merch table. Mouse. Yeah, he threw up on the merch table. Ryan's got to take him home. Ryan's trying to stealthily get Ryan, uh, Seth into the house undetected. Drunk Seth has no chill in order to do that. Uh, highlight of the episode, Joe, is the next morning. Seth wakes up, and Ryan just throws a 
bottle of aspirin right at his head. Yep. And man, if that didn't get a big old laugh out of me when that happened, I don't know what else did. I should mention the highlight of the episode. I've made a rule for myself. It can never be the band performances because obviously like if it's a band I like, that's going to be the highlight of the episode. So I got to dig deeper than that. Um, The reason why I wanted to do that first, talking about your breath smells like Marissa. Let's get into the Jimmy Cooper plot line that is kind of the story of this episode. So I'm going to read you the two notes that I wrote back to back. Marissa's going to surprise Jimmy by forcing a meeting with DJ. That seems kind of weird. Uh And that's when they're walking down the pier and they catch Jimmy making out with Julie. Then it's like five minutes later in the episode and Jimmy's like, hey, why did you and DJ no show? I was really looking forward to meeting him. And I was like, wait a second. You knew that your daughter was bringing her boyfriend here and you still with zero cares in the world was making out with the woman she hates the most on your boat it's a in clear horn view. Dog. It's a fucking like, horn dog. What the fuck are you thinking about? And then I wrote down this too. Here's you know I'm an OC fan because I wrote there is one there is a thousand percent chance that Jimmy leaving will bring out drunken, annoying, and borderline suicidal Marissa. Wow. I you thought called like, it later down. I thought like in a couple episodes, but nope. For some reason the Coens yeah. are throwing a party for their best buddy Jimmy Cooper. I do love, by the way, that Jimmy goes to the Kirsten and Sandy for advice on what to do with the Julie Cooper thing. They're throwing him this big ass party. Seth goes, is like, I know I should be used to this by now, but we're throwing a party. And yeah. like the stupidest thing is that like Kirsten is arranging this very like elaborate flower treatment. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's got like sticks and vines, and I'm like, what the fuck is like this is you just threw this together? Like, does what is this? This has nothing to do with Jimmy. Like that, like Jimmy's not about that bullshit. <laughs> Oh, and then also great Sandy Cohen line when Seth wakes up and he goes, well, if it isn't my son, the wino. (laughs) um, But man, like. Oh, when Daddy Cohen like is disappointed. Oh, it just makes me. Uh, But yeah, they, we get this whole, this whole party, this sassiness throughout this party. But Joe, the main thing we need to talk about here. And the most unexpected twist of all time. Marissa shows up to this thing drunk and makes everything about herself and causes a scene. Uh, and that's where we leave off here. I'm going to have to ask you the question, though. Mm-hmm. Is this a series wrap on Jimmy Cooper? Oh, my God. I honestly don't remember. Oh, no. <laughs> I honestly don't remember. Um, wait, you're just going to breeze? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Before I-, I need to know. I need to know before we go anywhere else because... I'm like, why why else would would they be doing this stupid he's got to go to Hawaii for 6 months plot line? I, do, I then honestly, if not to write Tate Donovan off of the show. I don't think that he I don't think it's a series wrap. Like it doesn't make sense for it to be um cuz you know Well, clearly you know he's happens. in a bunch clearly he's uh very important to the plot. <laughs> The rest of the you're, but like, hold on, Matt. You're just gonna breeze by like Marissa's drunken tirade. 
where she tells both of them that she hates them both. Yeah. Uh, where she's the daughter of a thief and a slut. Like, come on. I'm like, that like hurt my soul so much because I was like, girl, if I said that shit to my parents, I would be fucking, I'm 34 years old and I would be ended. I would be terrified to speak to my parents in such a way. Like, legitimately. All right, it says he was only in 39 episodes of the OC. So, well, it feels like it's been 39 episodes <laughs> already. Yeah, we're getting close. He, if he comes back, it's probably for the briefest amount of time. Here's the thing that I had no clue about Tate Donovan did not realize that he was the voice of Hercules in the Disney cartoon. You did Hercules. No, never knew that until I clicked into his wiki page just now. He's definitely not the singing voice because at that time, well, no. Disney was not doing that. Was a uh, Donny Osmond, I think. No, Donny Osmond. Man, we're going to go on a tangent, but that's all right. No, Johnny Osmond Don- was the voice of Shang in Mulan. Shang in, in Mulan, yeah. Which, like, um, is so fucked up because B.D. Wong can sing, who was the speaking voice of Shang. Yeah, no, I I think, I think honestly, up until a certain point, the only exception to that rule was Ariel. Like, oh, the voice actress Benson? for Ariel was, was, like, one of the only ones that actually was allowed to to sing roger bart provides the singing voice for hercules oh do you know who roger bart is he was snoopy in the revival of your good man charlie brown according to wikipedia did you ever watch the <laughs> producers movie yes he was um carmen oh okay <laughs> no even I... better no this is how you would i don't know why i went to the producers movie um he's the fucking um he's the guy that you see in the beginning of Hostel 2 that's getting initiated into the cult. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll take it. That's Roger Bart. I'm looking at his very interesting Wikipedia. He's a featured diner in Tick Tick Boom, which I don't think you and I have ever talked about this. What is your feelings on the movie Tick Tick Boom? Because I, I haven't like seen it, it yet. You haven't seen it? I liked it quite a bit. No, <laughs> and I like Andrew Garfield. I was more looking for Andrew Garfield's press tour that he did when he was doing Tick, Tick, Boom. So here's my uh, weird hot take. Because like obviously you know that Tick, Tick, Boom is about the life of Jonathan mm-hmm. Larson. Um, never was a fan of Rent. Liked all of the songs in Tick, Tick, Boom better than I liked 90% of the songs in Rent. Weird hot take, I know. But... Um, not me. that hot. It's not. It's something that I've heard before, but you know, no one's perfect, and you're straight, so it really doesn't. <laughs> it's, it's okay, Matt. I, well, also, I will. I will also admit this. I've only experienced Rent in the film version of it, so oh. maybe that's the maybe that's my folly there. But uh, I was like, man, Seasons of Love is such a great song, and then like the rest of the movie, I was like, most of these songs are not very memorable. Well, it's funny <laughs> like, because Seasons of Love is not doesn't have that placement yeah oh like not the opening of the entire no seasons of love is the op is the opening of the second act which makes way more sense to me i was like this feels it feels really weird to like kind of have your best known song at the very front of this but whatever sorry we're we're going on all these different tangents yes this argument this fight this this bullshit uh for lack of better term that marissa just starts dropping on her family. Oh my god! I was like expecting her to rage. get slapped across the face too. Just like, no, she actually got away scot free on this whole thing. She brought over some bagels and won over the Cohen family. She was like, "I'm sorry, I was a drunken whore again. Not even yeah. whore, drunken mess. Sorry, man. Sorry, I'm doing like the quick math in my head though on this Tate Donovan thing. 
So if there was 27 episodes in the first season, and this is episode seven, and he was in 39, there's five other episodes that he shows up in, in the rest of the run of the series. So it's, it might not be a full series rep, but it's pretty goddamn close to it. Wow. They're just writing off main characters left and right this season. Yeah. Is he still going to be in the opening credits? I just noticed he made it into it this season. Well, see, that's the shitty thing is that, like, he could do those five episodes in the back half of this thing and still be in the opening credits. Because, again, you know, contracts being what they are. Yeah. I mean, hey, as Gilmore Guys fans, we know all about the weird credits for for Mr. Gilmore. Like, yes, my favorite like, weird credit this- for Mr. Gilmore is uh, he's like the weird house guest in Robert Redford break, uh, Breaking Bad, Great Gatsby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Breaking Bad, Great Gatsby, both basically the same storylines. You know, basically. Um, but you know what? Like, I actually had higher expectations for talking about this episode, but it it really is just a lot of filler and then like the craziness of what happens at the end of the episode with Jimmy's goodbye um you know what we'll start here before we dive into the music i want to ask you are you a modest mouse fan beyond uh float on no okay well then i think our uh, song of the episode will be very different then (laughs) because (laughs) i would actually joe i would actually legitimately say that modest mouse probably falls within like my top 20 bands of all time i really like modest mouse um I, <laughs> I so, say this I say this in not a shady way, but I love that for you because Yeah, feel- <laughs> so so here's let me give you a little bit of my modest mouse background because it actually plays into a mutual friend of ours. And we'll use it as a quick prom- promotion for the said mutual friends book that's available everywhere. Um I worked at a retirement home with oh. my friend Eric Brown. Uh, and he wrote a book about his experiences working at that retirement home uh, called Lose You to Find Me. It's available in most bookstores at this point in time. Um, but him, myself, and our friend Holly would ride into work together, and then Holly would drive us all back to our houses at the end of each day. And at the time that the album with Float On came out, that was Holly's favorite album. So she would listen to that album all the time. So that album like represents... That is that is nineteen or that is two thousand three. Riding in the car, windows down, specifically coming home from work. It was like a great like we're we're out of work. The the whole days ahead of us, and she's the one that got me really into Modest Mouse. And then I kept buying more and more of their albums because they by the time they blew up, they had like five albums already. Mm-hmm. So you could build a nice back catalog of songs. So they. They uh, have a special meaning towards like my junior, senior year of high school, and then furthermore, like fit into the whole uh, future. Like, just a band I've always liked. I've always liked to follow. They're weird, they're interesting, they're different. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Krayshawn's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Pass to Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? 
As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come, baby, come, and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Krayshawn's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Pasta Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. So, this episode, we get a Modest Mouse concert, uh, and we get to hear three different Modest Mouse songs through the episode. So, the first Modest Mouse song we hear, we see them playing their song, Paper Thin Walls. Uh, the second song we hear them playing is a song called The View. Uh, when Jimmy's Going Away Party first kicks off, we hear Blue Foundation, Save This Town. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to try to pronounce this band's name uh martina tilapi bird with soul food plays when marissa is being her typical obnoxious human being uh and ruining the party uh elliot smith twilight plays when ryan and Lindsay finally kiss in the pool house and decide you know what everything's a-okay and then at the end of the episode we get a return from modest mouths with their song world at large that plays as marissa provides the family with bagels Joe, the audience already knows that I'm going to pick a Modest Mouse song, so I'll let them sit in anticipation for which of those three songs I go with. But for you, I need to ask, what was your song of the episode? Uh, I just love it because I'm a gay. Elliot Smith. Twilight? Yeah. yeah. Elliot Smith's great. Yeah. Ain't, no, ain't no shame in that game. Um, I went with The View by Modest Mouse mm-hmm. for no other reason than it's my favorite song that they've ever written it's a deep cut and the fact that it's one of the songs that they play uh in this uh this episode kind of caught me off guard joe what are some things that you may have wanted to promote i'm actually going to cheat because i got two things i'm going to talk about oh, on this episode he got two things well you know what? let's go back and forth so why don't you go first and i'll go and then I'll so go, the fir- I'll do two, two. How about that? Oh, I love that. I love that. All right. So the first one I'm going to mention is I read a graphic novel mm-hmm. uh, that I received as a gift for being a groomsman at a wedding in October uh, called Essex County by Jeff Lemire. Um, it's a pretty interesting book. Uh, very little dialogue in it. It's a lot of pictures. And it's four short stories of the lives of different people in a small county called Essex County. And it's kind of beautiful, sad, touching, sweet, um, all of those things. 
I highly recommend it to everybody. It's not something that's going to change your life, but it's something that you will, uh, if you've always been kind of like, I don't know about comics, um, I think it shows how pretty of an art form mm. comics can be in its most simplistic state. Nice. All right, what's your first? The Bear Season 2. I haven't even watched The Bear Season 1. I know I need to get on this shit because it seems like people are loving it. It's beautiful. The season two of The Bear is like, it's a it's a completely different show while still taking, like still holding true to the same elements. It's also like, if you are an anxious person, like trigger warning, because there's a lot of things that are very cringe and very um, anxiety inducing, especially around episode six. Um, but it's a beautiful show. And... I'm talking about it a lot with folks right now because it's one of those shows that like I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about it and what it's trying to say, but it's very much like I feel it's very much like a it's very much an empire strikes back in the sense that like we are setting that hopefully we are setting this up for a season 3 to be explored. So okay. the yeah, the bear season 2. All right, so the other one that I'm going to mention is a podcast that I listened to all 13 episodes in two days. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it feels like this show sat around for like a year, got a little bit of attention, and now out of nowhere, everybody's talking about it. And that podcast is, of course, Who Shat on the Floor at My Wedding, um, which <laughs> <What>? is... <laughs> uh it is such a strange podcast. Uh, let's see. What better way to describe the podcast than in the words of the people who made it? So it says, Who shat on my podcast? Or who shat on my floor on the floor at my wedding? A true story involving two prides and one turd. What do you do if someone defecates on the floor at your wedding? Reevaluate your friends and family? No. You launch a true crime investigation podcast to find out who did it. Join the brides, Helen and Karen, and their extremely underqualified detective, Lauren, as they interrogate their wedding guests, hook bridesmaids up to polygraph machines, and speak to top forensics experts in an attempt to crack the case. Because a crime is not a laughing matter, except possibly this one. Um, and it is legitimately what i just described that at their wedding someone pooped on the floor and it's been two years and they still haven't figured out who did it so they started a true crime podcast and started interrogating everybody from the wedding to try to solve the mystery oh my god i'm looking at it okay well add add to the list <laughs> is it, this basically a 13 episode podcast of the always sunny episode who pooped the bed I would actually, so the thing I would compare it to the most is the first season of American Vandal. It reminds me so <laughs> much of that first season of American but Vandal. But this actually happened? This actually happened to them. Um, it's so funny because they'll like introduce, they'll be like, here's our special forensic guest. And they'll like rattle off these incredible qualifications. And they're like, next question, why are you agreeing to do our podcast? And he's like, well, you know. A lot of the time I have to deal with really horrible crimes and uh this just seemed fun. <laughs> this, is not a, this is definitely not a horrible crime. <laughs> <laughs> uh 
It's also, I know that this shouldn't matter, but they all have like British and New Zealand accents. And somehow that just makes it like astronomically more charming to me. (laughs) But yeah, it's great. I fucking love this. (laughs) It's so good. Joe, what I'm telling you, I literally found out about the show on 4th of July and I've already finished it. <laughs> like that's how quickly I rocked it. I mean, the first the first like eight episodes are twenty minutes a piece. Like they're so quick and digestible. Uh, but yes, that is my other thing that everyone get on board. Season two is coming soon. They said. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see if it's a continuation of the case, or in the last like two Wait, episodes. Wait, you don't figure it out. Oh, don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. For I'm me. not going to spoil anything. There might be new evidence that came up. I don't know. But uh, in the last two or three episodes, there have been ads where they're like, do you have a crime that the police aren't taking seriously? Contact us at who shot on the floor. Oh, my dot God. Com, and we will solve your mystery. To Encyclopedia Brown. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe, you go ahead. I'll do a podcast, too. Um, so my friend, uh, Jason is a self-proclaimed bookstagrammer like he's um he does uh, a podcast for the jcc of manhattan uh but he recently launched a new show where him and another uh gay bookstagrammer uh talk about books and it's called gays reading and it is uh it's been a fun listen so far uh, their first episode is really great. They kind of talk about like the books that made them not necessarily, it's not going to be a podcast about gay books specifically, but they do talk about like queer representation in books and, you know, the kind of books that they read that helped them with their, uh, with their sexuality and, you know, made them feel seen. And I got some really great recommendations and anyone who listens to Fright School knows that like, you know, there's a bit on the show that I don't read but I've been trying, I set a goal for myself to read like one book for each month. So I have to read 12. And I've already picked like the next couple listening to the show. So gaze nice. reading. Uh, well, I've just subscribed to it. So I can't wait to check it out, actually. Awesome. Well, Joe, we certainly still have, you know, things are mostly tied up in a nice bit ribbon. But in the OC... How long does that ribbon actually stay attached? (laughs) Not very well. So I'm sure that this time next week, we're going to be talking about even more white people problems. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. 
baby, baby, come, come. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 